Berserker Cast episode number 23, Falling Skies, season 5, episode 8, Stalag, 14th, Virginia. Hi, this is Doug Jones. I play Cochise on Falling Skies, but right now you are listening to Berserker Cast. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Greetings, salutations, welcome to Earth, alien overlords. How you doing? Greeting, Earthlings. I'm Daryl. And I'm Emily. What's up, Daryl? Um, you know, I thought it being Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, I'd call you up on a Google Hangout and see if you wanted to talk about Falling Skies. Are you up for that? Great idea. You know, I was having the same thought all day. I really hope I can I can talk about Falling Skies tonight. Maybe Daryl will call me. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Totally in sync. Next time I'm going to make you beg. No. No? There will be none of that here. <laughs> all right. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> there well, will be no begging. So we... Uh, no bagging? What? The, we are here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wrapping up this series of Falling Skies. Two episodes left, Emily. Two. 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 Now, I think the question that might, might, I don't know, might be on the forefront, at least maybe of some of your minds, is did Emily and Daryl like the episode this week? (laughs) (laughs) That is the question. Did either of them like the episode this week? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. After we and I, you and I, after we and I did our podcast last week, I. It was pretty much that. I read a couple of blogs on it and we were not alone in our not liking of the episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read, uh, Mike's blog post over at Denver? I did not. What did Mike have to say? Pretty much the same thing that we were saying. Um, much more eloquently, of course. Of course. Yeah. I love his, I love his blog posts. If you guys are interested in reading those, that, that's a mic of the Continuum podcast and of Golden Spiral Media's Extant and Agents of Shield mm-hmm. podcast. He does a blog review the morning after of every new episode of Falling Sky. So go check yeah. those out. He's a great dude too. But yeah, he's a great he's gonna dude. He's going to be at Dragon Con, as a matter of fact. Oh, are good. You at Dragon Con? Good. Good. You know, I, I'm thinking so. I think I might make that I'm trip. I'm going to be at Dragon Con. No let's, way. Let's, let's, in case we, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot publicly no, on this not. podcast. I don't know why. Uh, but Dragon Con why. is coming up over Labor Day weekend. So that's like, oh, I don't know what, two weeks away, something like that. Oh my gosh. It's is like it really? Two, maybe three weeks away, weekends away. I don't know. I haven't looked at the calendar lately. I know it's coming up fast. So Thursday night. Uh, which will be September the 3rd at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, we are having a Golden Spiral Media community meetup, and you, not you, Emily. Okay, yes. That's yeah. right. You guys are the Everyone's invited. We just need to know if you're coming or not so that we can tell the fine folks at Einstein's how many people to expect. So, mm, Einstein. This is where we did our meetup, what, three years ago when we, we were all at, at um, 
at DragonCon last. So uh, go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash DC15, DragonCon15. That'll redirect you over to the Facebook uh, event page that we have created where you can tell us if you're going or not. It is too easy. Yeah. If, you, if you're like, I don't do the Facebook thing, but I want to go. Hey, that's, that's okay. Go to our feedback page and just send us a feedback. Uh, just you know, fill out the yeah. feedback form for this podcast uh, or any of them. I'll get them all and let us know you're coming. <laughs> so we can just, again, just to get a head count so we can get an idea of how many are, how many people to expect until, like I said, the fine folks at Einstein's. Emily's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Doug's going to be there. Doug does person of interest with me. Mike's going to be there. Kevin is going to be at Dragon Con. He's going to try. He is so busy at Dragon Con. He's going to try to come over for the meetup, but Kevin Batchelder. (laughs) um, I know I'm forgetting. We're going to have quite a few people there, so it'll be fun. Brian, the shadow, will be there, my other co-host for (laughs) Arrow. (laughs) And Barb will be there. You want to hear a funny story about Brian? This will take like 30 seconds. Okay. So we're at podcast okay. movement. I slip away from the booth. Brian, Brian was helping, was at podcast movement with me, helping me run the booth. We are rooming together at podcast movement. So he went to lunch. He came back. He's running the booth so I could go eat. I run into Derek and Carrie Olson. Derek used to do the stuff I learned yesterday podcast. And um, so mm-hmm. I joined them for lunch. They're, they've already ordered, but I just kind of jump in. And so he starts, he's like, Hey, so I've seen like some other TV talk people here. You know, I saw Tawny and Corey and, and he's like, didn't I see Brian here? And I'm just like, I drew a blank. I'm like, Brian? TV talk? (laughs) And he's helping you with the booth and you're just like, I'm not sure who you're talking about. And Derek was one of the producers for TV talk. He edited audio. Brian edited audio. I edited audio. John Buchanan edited audio. He's like, yeah, Brian. Like he helped us edit audio too. He was one of the producers, and I'm like, Brian Kane. I said, I start laughing uncontrollably. I'm like, How did I blank? I said, He's rooming with me <laughs> right here. This one <laughs> and I just forgot about Brian again. I, I don't know what it is about Brian. He's <laughs> mental block. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he'll be there at Dragon Con. It'll be great. Yep. Come join us September third, seven o'clock, over at Einstein's, which is on what's the name of the street that it's on? Like. um Jupiter or it's down past know. the big yeah. building with the the address turn. is on the event page goldenspiralmedia.com yes. slash dc15 so go check it out and if you're going to DragonCon but can't meet us on that Thursday we are going to be doing so much stuff all weekend mm-hmm. so you know tweet us and you guys at the Arrow Squad are going to be doing a live uh, recording of uh, the Arrow Squad is that right we are not oh. anymore we had to oh, cancel Lord. that oh man yeah. I know what if I, I beg I was going to Skype in for that one anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, you know how to podcast, right? <laughs> I do know how to do that. Uh, I do not know how to speak in front yeah. of people. So, right. Well, let's talk about Falling Skies. Anyway, but, um, let's do it. <laughs> we're going to talk about this week's episode, uh, Season 5, Episode 8. But first, I want to make an, another announcement. This one is related to Falling Skies uh, directly. Oh. We got an email from Melissa this week, and uh, Melissa is letting us know about an auction. If you want to own a piece of Falling Skies, you can do that. This is really cool. So she sent us over the press release and a couple of other emails that are really uh, pretty cool. So here's what the press release has to say. This is from Premier Props. Uh, Premier Props to auction off over 1,500 props from TNT's Falling Skies. And it's going to be Saturday, August 29th and Sunday, August 30th. 
Okay. So Premier Props will be auctioning these things off uh, at their headquarters in El Segundo, California. And I know what you're thinking. No, I can't get to El Segundo, California. That's why the internet was invented, my friend. So the internet. Um, of course, this is right the same weekend as the series finale, which is going to be August 30th. The auction is going to feature items from all five seasons of the series and like i said it's going to allow you a chance to own a piece of the show now there's going to be a preview each day from 9 to 11 a.m and the live auction will begin at 11 uh, a.m all that pacific time if you want to go and check it out in el segundo uh, i'll give you information here in a moment on how you can shop online but here are a few of the things i'm not going to go through the whole list here but uh, we have tom mason's hero costume from season five uh, colonel weaver's hero costume from season five pope's hero costume from season five and um his uh, faraday helmet remember the faraday helmet when they got out of the uh, the uh, help me out emily the, the ghetto? ghetto yeah uh, the Ashvini Overlord's glowing lava stone. How cool is that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, dude. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, oh, I skipped Anne Glass's hero costume from season five. This was really cool. Ben Mason's Dornia species pencil sketch that we saw him do earlier this season, season five. Oh, uh, cool. A, Vulm grenade, a couple of different Vulm grenades. Uh, this one I thought of you, Emily. Lexi's Triskelion necklace with pendant. How cool would that be, huh? <laughs> That would be pretty yeah. cool, except then I would be, I would be constantly fearing that someone would control me. <laughs> <Wow>. So, <laughs> so yeah. probably not going to happen. Is there a skitter for sale? Uh, there is a skitter for sale. A couple of skitters for sale. I'm totally life getting. Size. I'm totally getting a, a skitter. Size Black Hornet. Is Seriously. Also for sale. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, deharnessing machine. The Volm laser uh, deharnessing machine. Those are two different things we saw. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Uh, any props like cigarette lighters, guns, knives, lots of clothing. Um, gosh, if you, if you can think about it, they've used it books, notebooks, uh, files, papers, all those things, maps. Is, if it's been a prop in the show, it's up for auction. So you can bid on these things by going to I, that's the letter I, collector.com. Or if you don't like that website, you can also go to liveauctioneers.com. And if those don't, you don't like those, you can go to invaluable.com. So any of those three will get you there to search. <laughs> Plenty uh, of options. Guys. Yeah. That's iCollector. And I will link all this in the yeah. show notes yeah, as well. So maybe That's that would be easiest. easier for yeah. people. Yeah. So look for the show notes of Berserker Cast episode 23, and I will link you to all of that awesome stuff, plus some pictures. Yeah. Because. You got to remember what these things look like. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at some of the pictures right now, and it just reminds me of what makes this show so great. You know, the mm -hmm. props are so well done, and they're so authentic. And yep, yeah, you got to give it. You got to give props me, to the props. You do. You really do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go check that out. I have. You can go in there now to those websites and look at all the items and you can bookmark them so that you can kind of keep track of the ones that you're interested in, which I've done. I went through and bookmarked probably 50 different things that I'll be keeping an eye on when it comes time for the auction and it'll be cool on a piece of the action. All right, Emily, shall we get into the episode discussion? That sounds like a great plan. Hey, guess what? Do you know who directed this episode? Uh, no, Wiley. He did indeed. You can really tell too because it it's was. good. 
Uh, it was written by Jack Kenny, who I did not look into before this episode, but his name does not sound familiar. Do you think he... Do you remember hearing his... Honestly, it didn't sound familiar to me either, but I will do a quick Google search, pull up the Falling Skies Wikipedia page, go over to the list of episodes, and then do a little search for Kenny. And he wrote earlier this season, Pope Breaks Bad. Yeah, hmm. that's, that's the only two he's written. Pope Breaks Bad and Stalag 14th for Okay, so he's familiar from this yeah. season. Yeah. All right, Pope Breaks Bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I didn't list any guest stars because we had pretty much the same as last week. batch of people mm-hmm. as last week. Yep. So let's jump into our ratings. What'd you give this one, Daryl? <laughs> you beat me again. <laughs> uh, I, I gave it 7.5 pools of black blood. I thought about giving this an 8, but I just couldn't. Um, so 7.5 was where I, where I rested. What about you? I gave it 8.5 conversations about girls while on death row (laughs) yeah yeah that was cool i i thought about giving it a seven and a half but on my rewatch this is like this is what i came to is that i'm still in the camp of this episode is just badly timed fantastic drama really well conceived just just placed at such an inconvenient time for me as a viewer looking forward to the end of a show. So I gave it eight and a half because this was a fun episode for me to watch if I, if I didn't think about the fact that there's only two remaining after this. And, and that's, and when, when I look back on all of the episodes of the show that make me just love this thing, this is, this is the format of Mm -hmm. that one. You know, it, it inspires you. All of the characters come into their own. There's a little bit of deception. You kind of know what's going to happen, but you're excited to see how everything unravels. So now I kind of wish I would have given it a higher rating. Yeah, it's funny you say that because <laughs> I completely agree with everything you just said. And for those those same reasons, is that's why I landed on the 7.5. Had this been earlier even in this season, I probably mm-hmm. would have given it an 8.5. I don't know if it was a 9. It might have been. Uh, because of the reveal sort of at the end and some of the other things, the character developments and, and uh, for, for things that we'll talk about. But because it was, right. we only have two episodes left, I was still like, this needed yeah. to be elsewhere. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Monday morning, I got a tweet from Jovial Falcon and he said, this would have been a great episode five or six. And it made me start thinking that, you know, if you replaced everything that happened with all of the skitter factory mm-hmm. stuff with this and then went on from there and did something more in the DC range. That would have been fantastic. We could have totally done away with all of that skitter factory stuff because really what impact does it have now that they were making all of those skitters? Whereas this would have been important to gathering mm-hmm. more troops and having more of a military front to go into DC. That's that's exactly right. And even the episode where we meet Marty and his dead family, like Marty is a likable guy, but he hasn't given us anything of value yet. He could, but like there's nothing that we've gotten from Marty that you can't go. Anybody else could have done that. Even finding the Volm device. I mean, or not the Volm device. um, The communication device. Anybody could have done that, right? So there's nothing that you look back on that episode and go, that's why we got that episode. We haven't, you know, maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. But you look at that and go, yeah, "Yeah, if we'd have, if we'd have done this earlier, because as I said last week, we still have to get them to Washington 
we still have to figure out what their plan yep. is other than to go there and start unloading rifles, uh, you know, uh, pointed at the overlords, right. right? So what is the plan with these final two episodes? And and so that's, like I said, why I still downgraded it a little bit, even though it was right. a great episode. Right, right. And not not only do we have to go to D.C. and figure out what they're doing, but we also have to have some sort of resolution with Pope. Right. Which, of course, we will talk about right. later. But, I mean, there those are those are two huge things that cannot go unresolved into the final two episodes of this series, you know? And, and yet they are. And, th- and it just seems like... <laughs> and yet right. they are. Well, I mean, like, no, they, they can't be unresolved by the end. And yeah. I just don't yeah. see how you can resolve both in two episodes, like given the state of Pope and the preservers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to think about Pope and say, is he going to, is he going to march on Washington with the second mass or is he going to be a thorn on the, in the side of the second mass the rest of the way? I mean, how does that resolve? And they get to march on Washington, if you will. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how this is going to play out. And it's a little bit frustrating to see that it, that it hasn't. It's yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's start at the very beginning, since that is a very good place to start. Just um, let's start with some feedback that we got from Lee uh, after last week's episode, before this week's episode, and she's kind of thinking about what we might have gotten. You know, what she's looking toward this episode that we're talking about tonight and thinking about what what has to happen. Here she is. Oh, hello. This is Lee, and this is for Berserker Cast. In episode seven, everybody has their reasons. The other episode this reminded me of, besides Charleston, actually, was the Nazi camp that Matt was in. Because that's really the only logical explanation, is that everyone is under control, at least um, the majority of the top upper echelon, much like those uh, campers. Also, her cap, the captain had some kind of wound that wouldn't heal. And my guess is that it's some kind of control device, a worm or a bug or something. Because honestly, that's the only explanation that's going to make any sense and make this really frustrating and annoying episode. I mean, really, halfway through, I was like, oh, for crying out loud. Um, either they all have to die or they get released from their control and help the second mass. But thanks. Bye. Yeah, and as it turned out, it was really just the captain, uh, not the captain, but, you know, Marshall and the other, what was the other guy's name? Kalig? Kalig? Something like that. You know, they seemed to be, and he wasn't under control. I think he was just... He was just a asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say it. I mean, it's like, you, you can have people who are evil, and then you can just have people who are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there was a lot of criticism, you know, and I told you I read a couple of blogs last week, and there was some criticism, rightfully so, that we're, we're taking the angle of, this is how they're depicting the American military, as a bunch of racist, backwoods hillbillies, you know? And there were some scenes in last week's episode that certainly depicted the, the, the military as that, him being the chief among them. Uh, and as it turned out, he was just that. He wasn't under Ishvini control. He was exactly that, looking for a way to get his rocks off by oppressing somebody. Yeah. For any reason. Well, 
Yeah, and I think I think the bummer about that is, like in terms of this is how we're representing the U.S. military, is that it often seems to be that the loudest people in any group get the mm-hmm. most attention for those sure. stereotypes. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it's completely inaccurate. It's certainly prevalent, but I really liked how they were able to balance that out with this episode and, and right. show that a lot of these guys really did have their heads on straight, mm-hmm. but when when your leadership is so corrupt it's difficult to stand up against that without you know fear of <laughs> death and when you saw the graveyard of all the supposed traitors right it, it certainly gave you an appreciation in terms of an understanding of why they even those who why some people were reluctant to stand up to make a stand yes. or or to, to offer opposition to what was clearly not jiving. And so it kind of helped you, helped us understand what they had been going through during that the last six weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it starts off with the firing squad and I was surprised. I'm like, Oh wow. They didn't waste any time because it ended with them, you know, getting sentenced to death. And then of course it turned out to be a flash forward, um, which I liked because it, it, it did add some drama to later on when they do get to the firing squad. I thought I knew what was going to happen and I was wrong on that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. So I liked that Colonel Weaver took the lead in this episode in terms of, I mean, so many different things, right? He, he, he was suspicious of Marshall. He followed her when he found the evidence that he needed. He kind of pulled off this subtle coup, if you will. It was, it was really, uh, you can tell why like, he is the superior military, um, you know, person uh, on this on this base. It was really uh-huh. well done, I thought. Absolutely, I I was so impressed with the storyline Weaver got in this episode, just because he's been given kind of. I mean, they they've been pushing him into more of a an idealistic and and moral center role this mm-hmm. season in particular. But this one, this this whole format was just great, and it just it showed so much about his knowledge of the way the military works, of the way that people work. He knew Marshall well enough to be able to say this is how she should respond, and then be able to set up a situation to demonstrate to Wolf that she was corrupt, not just tell him. And I think Wolf said it best at the end of the episode. Uh, you played us like a puppeteer. You played this camp like a puppeteer. And he so totally did. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> On the rewatch, I was just going, yeah, he knew exactly. And it, it, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like he had the whole thing drafted out. It was, he was so reactionary to everything. And I just love that. I love when you can actually see that play out in a story. Instead of like having to see it all through flashbacks, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. he actually, he actually did this here and this here. But no, he, it was very obvious what he was doing and, and, you know, it made sense to us and it just worked out completely in his favor. Yeah. It was, yes. it was masterfully done. And even, you know, jumping in and, and preventing Isabella and Maggie from causing what would have thrown his whole operation awry and, uh, saving their lives probably in the process. I mean, he had to have his hands spinning so many different plates in this episode, but yet it wasn't unbelievable that he was able to pull it off. It was completely within yep. my belief of what he would be able to do. Yep. And, uh, it was, so it was great. It was now the one thing that was, I was a little bit foggy on was how he was able to sneak up 
and kill the overlord. But at the same time, we've seen the overlords this season since the power, you know, a station was, was taken down off the moon that they aren't as powerful as they have been nope. uh, in, in the past. So I was able to just kind of roll with that concept. Yeah. That was a little interesting. I, you know, the, the other half of that though might just be that we've never really had one of them interact with an overlord that closely. I mean, when you think about the other situations, there have, have either been like skitters around or Lexi was around. Uh, but I mean, Hal did jump that one overlord while he was trying to kill red shirt girl in early in the season. Right. Uh, but he did also have a distraction. So yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like they're not as powerful. It almost seems like they don't really have any powers. It seems like all they can do is communicate with <laughs> skitters and harnessed kids. I mean, that seems to be the extent of their abilities. So maybe they're no better than humans. Yeah. I mean, like Tom, better off, I should say he tried to leverage Ben against Tom and Tom was like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if they don't have like that mental connection to something, they don't seem to be able to control it. And, uh, which I am totally okay with, you know, for once there, here's like a, an enemy that that we can at least combat, you Mm -hmm. know, or, come up against <laughs> yeah yeah well the other big scene we got or, or the plot storyline was with the masons in jail you mentioned it in your in your rating with the boys talking about girls while they're in jail and mason was tom was was you know took advantage of that to kind of draw a personal connection with the lieutenant we got a lot of great conversations between the lieutenant and tom and I, because of that, I really hated to see the lieutenant get killed in the end of the episode. You, I was really rooting for him uh, to be able to go and find his family, or at least have a hope that he would be able to reunite with his family. So that was hard to see him die. But uh really appreciated the dialogue and the interaction between the brothers and the interaction between Tom and the lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the way Tom was able to... <laughs> Okay, I made a comparison to evangelizing. Yeah. <laughs> what Tom did is kind of like how a person might evangelize another person. You know, you slowly start relating to them in some sort of way and then, you know, kind of get into your um, testimony or something. And mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it because it's so, it's so like, it's such a personal approach to such a political mentality almost i mean it's it's not and it is <laughs> because it's it's like it's political in the sense that tom is being um executed for he's put on death row for being a traitor mm-hmm. and so he's been politically classified as a traitor but but it's still very personal because they're all they're all facing this enemy that's still very prevalent and I liked how he was able to turn such a political game into a personal one. And I think that's how you win a lot of wars and a lot of hearts. You know, yeah. it's n- I liked uh, lo- the, the lieutenant's comment about, where was this during your, your trial? This would yes. have made an impact on the commander. And at least Tom can acknowledge that he was caught up in the absurdity, which I really enjoyed. But, yes. you know, I just, I wonder what would have happened if he, if he had used this in the trial. And the command, it would have done nothing on 
Captain Marshall and yeah. then what 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 would the soldiers have done then? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you point that out because that was when he said that and then the lieutenant said, you know, where was this? I was like, yes, that was completely yes. ridiculous last week because we criticized yeah. the episode for that. Yep. And um the other thing was when he mentioned that he had sent his family away to kind of try to save them and Tom was able to draw from that that farm family that he lived with for that those couple of days. And so we those are two episodes that we kind of criticized at, at points during this season mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they at least got a little bit like the show acknowledged them in some way. They they pulled back from that the those two episodes and those issues that we had with those episodes to try to give some value. I'm not saying particularly with the farm family episode. I'm not saying, oh, that, that saved that episode. It's totally worth it now. <laughs> yeah. But at least it was like, okay, well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they did. We did get a second use out of that. <laughs> did you even for a moment think that uh, the lieutenant's family was the one that Tom had encountered? I did. I mean, I thought, gosh, is this, are they going to go there? Two sons. Be- <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they also yeah. had a daughter. Yeah. But That's no, true. Wasn't. Yeah. I almost thought it. Uh, okay. So let's, uh, I want to go back to, um, Weaver killing the overlord really quick. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, do you, okay. So this was on my rewatch that I, I couldn't figure out why they decided to cut the episode in the way they did, like not show us that he had killed an overlord because up to that point, I, I didn't think there were any other options for who was, who Captain Marshall was meeting with because right. her behavior from last episode clearly indicated that she was being controlled, not doing something willingly, you know? Right, right. And, or maybe not controlled, but she was, she was like conditioned or something. And so I thought maybe they were trying to make us think that she had been meeting with Pope. Oh, that never crossed my mind. And, and I don't think they, they did a good job of setting that up, but I just couldn't think of any other reason why they didn't show us uh, he had killed an overlord until they, until Weaver brought Wolf back out beyond the perimeter. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. it, that would have been an interesting twist. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like why is she answering? So, you know, uh, well, yeah, and then and then, then Pope or then then Weaver kills Pope. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I I don't know what they were. I yeah. don't know. That's just it's just a speculation. But well, I only ever thought it was an overlord, and I'm like, you know, like, yeah. why are they building it up as if it could be something else? Exactly. Pope never crossed my mind. I, you know, honestly, I just I just chalked it up to they wanted to save some CG budget. So if they don't show the overlord oh. there, they can easily show you know a rubber mask in the next act and <laughs> save that's a good point. Money. We are getting to the finale so gotta kind of okay no that yeah but i totally agree i just i just couldn't figure it out and i'm like "Hmm, maybe that's why because i mean pope has to come back at some point (laughs) which he does yeah eventually did but yeah no i and maybe that was it maybe they were trying to make us think that it was pope but uh, me being dense or whatever i just never (laughs) never occurred (laughs) to me (laughs) no i just i was just amazed like I wanted to watch this episode even a third time, yeah. which I don't think I felt this season. And yeah. I, it was, there were just so many great aspects to the show. And I know that, you know, it's not great as we head into the, the final two, but just like the drama kept me on the edge of my seat. I didn't change the channel because I was half watching a football game, half watching the show at the same time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I have it on my computer, but I actually turned it on the TV when, when the episodes are going, yes. Mm. <laughs> but nice anyway 
Okay, so we're back to uh, the jail cell where they're holding Tom and the boys yeah. before execution. And okay, I'm I'm gonna come back to this because not because I I'm, I know that you don't watch shows for relationships and I don't either, but I just want to come back to the fact that these are the things about the show that I really enjoy, which is taking the time in the midst of being put on death row to have a conversation about girls. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's so real and it's so, you know, it, it demonstrates a confidence from both of the boys that they're going to f- find a way out of this. Cause they always find a way out of this, but mm-hmm. it also just, I think, it's so cool to see each person start to take ownership of their future. So like Maggie finally telling Hal at the end that she did remove her spikes for him and, and Isabella being confident about sharing her manifesto with Hal and Ben telling Hal that he did have feelings for Maggie before giving her the spikes. I just, I feel like it's so, it's so great to see these characters owning so many real parts of life Mm -hmm. and and that's really what brought out the authenticity in this episode is like yeah you're you're on death row but let's have a conversation about girls (laughs) so i was a fan and i I didn't have a problem with it i mean i thought i could like tom said i mean how how cool is that that yeah what else are they gonna do i mean are they tom's working the lieutenant over and dad's there anyway i mean what what else are they gonna do and it was it was a nice moment between the Mason boys and and all that stuff that you mentioned, particularly with, with Ben talking about how he cared for Maggie before he gave the spikes and Maggie saying to, to Hal, I really did remove my spikes because I care about you. But now that all those cards have been laid out onto the table, does that mean baggage yeah. is gone, death is imminent? <laughs> well... What's the you? I am just actually super surprised that none of the Masons have died up to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they <laughs> have been put in front of a firing squad now, for goodness sakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It seems... It, ben seems really vulnerable right now because uh, Maggie did choose Hal over him. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if uh, something had to do with him and the higher being in the next episode that forced him to make a decision that his dad does not like. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see him sacrifice himself in that way. Not because he doesn't have anything else to live for, but because he loves these people so much that he wants to do that for them. And he sure. doesn't, and he, and he wants to preserve what each of them have. And he just doesn't see himself being in that, in that family in that way anymore. Like he'll never be normal. He'll never have a normal life without the spikes in his mind or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a possibility. You know, when I think about the Mason males, I think Tom and Ben are the two most likely to, to not, be living at the end of the series i think uh matt particularly we didn't talk much about that conversation last week which which was really one of the finer points of the episode last week where he has that thing that he has been you know asking people what they're looking for in the new world and he's been Mm -hmm. putting them in in a a book and i think that that 
shows that he's got a lot of his dad's history and leadership skills in him. Not that Hal and Ben don't, but in a different mm-hmm. way. You know that, oh, that yeah, that more refined way that uh, that the country is going to be looking for at the end of of this. And so, I think he's still too young to to take on a leadership role. But I think that it shows that he is maybe the the most fit for that role of all the Masons. And so, you know, I don't I don't think he'll die because of largely because of that Hal and Maggie I mean it'd be a bit of a heartbreaker if if either of them died since they kind of have reaffirmed their their care for one another so or have they I think they have I think that they they've taken a strong step and uh, their cards are on the table I think they both desire to be together I think that's where it's heading so that's interesting yeah. okay let, let's talk about that for a minute okay. sorry to interrupt you but um Okay, so that last ep- or the last scene with Hal and Maggie, she mm-hmm. tells him, "I did take the, out the spikes for you." Mm-hmm. And oh, so he had he had started that conversation by saying, "Look, Maggie, I don't care why you took out your spikes, but I just wanted to tell you." And then she cuts him off. I thought she he was going to say, "But I've moved on." Mm-hmm. So, what did you think he was going to say? I don't know. I didn't really think about what I thought he was going to say. All uh, what I thought about was the times earlier in this season where he has really tried to put himself out there and show Maggie that he cares and that, that um, he doesn't want to just stand by idly and let Ben take his girl and, and those sorts of things. And so I think that, yeah, Isabella has come into the picture, but I don't think you just easily let that go. And maybe he was starting oh. to develop uh, feelings for Isabella, but I think that the, the true feelings are for Maggie. And I think that if she says, Hey, Hal, you know, <laughs> I, I really care about you. I did this for you because I want us to be in us. Then I think he's going to go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so I've been waiting all, no. all season for you to tell me, you know? Well, I, I definitely think it's headed in that direction, but I, I feel like what he had said to Ben in the brig or not the brig, what is it called? The, Mm-hmm. jail whatever yeah. uh he had said ben asked him if he was still in love with maggie and he said no <laughs> and and so i had interpreted that scene to be like he was going to tell her that he was moving on and then she springs that on him and now he has a decision to make yeah but which which he does anyway he has to make it clear but yeah i don't know it's interesting and and it's it's cool to see these characters deal with something that's a little bit more <laughs> relatable <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to the viewing audience than, you know, battling skitters. And to no surprise, Barb is in the chat room right now just reiterating the fact that she has been predicting all along <laughs> that Ben <laughs> would be I'm pretty sure that, that I... That I, I predicted it. I don't know what she's talking about. I've been calling this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I invented uh, predictions. So, <laughs> I invented um, <laughs> Thank you, Kristen Wiig. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. So should we talk about Anne? That's kind of a big deal. Um, were you surprised that the guy that she had healed turned out to be a turncoat? Not not a turncoat, I guess. He labeled her as a turncoat. But, like, I totally thought he was a nice guy. And, like, totally, I fell for him as badly as she did. He had that face yeah. that you just learned not to trust. Is that right? I didn't I did see not. It. <laughs> I had a really bad feeling about him the entire episode. Yeah. I would have been arrested right beside her because I never saw it coming. I was lured in. I am almost positive he was in an episode of Fringe. Oh, really? I 
I am not coming up with where I'm picturing him, though. But I just remember him being a not good guy in whatever I'm picturing him. Well, that could be it. I mean, if, you, if you've seen him in a role before where he was yeah. not a trustworthy fellow, then that would kind of uh, put you <laughs> in that light. My, yeah. Yeah, yeah, perception. Absolutely. I never trust that. Kind of like, um, oh, the the guy from Revolution who got into a relationship with the former flame of the seventh heaven guy. Oh man, I can't remember anyone's name anymore. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. He just he plays a bad guy in like every single role. Oh, so he yeah. just yeah. he just backs himself into that corner. Yeah. That's Maybe the true. chat room. What was his character name, do you remember? Trevor Hudson, something like that. Oh here he is. Lane Edwards is the actor's name. Yep, that's him. Was he in Fringe? Drumroll, please. Yes, he was. Was he really? Yeah. Season one, Dream Logic. He was the lawyer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he was probably that first victim in that episode. Oh, yeah. I think it's starting to come back to me. So not a bad guy, just a victim. <laughs> yeah, just a victim, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, well. Anyway. All right. Well, hey, you called the, the he, he was on Fringe. I didn't remember him being on Fringe. That was He was probably on screen for all of one minute. Fringe knowledge. Yeah. Good for you, Emily. <laughs> Thanks. I bow to you because I, you know, I know my Fringe knowledge pretty stinking good. <laughs> I would put it up this against just true. about everybody. Yeah. All right. Okay. Where else do we want to go here? We, we've got the Pope. Uh, things still uh, lingering out there. I don't We've think got, we we talked too much about Anne. We just briefly mentioned. Yeah, that um, she was kind of. Outed. She was kind of yeah. She kind of he he did a really good job of making her feel like he was a safe person, like he wanted to help her, and maybe you know had everything turned out correctly, he would have helped her. But because she revealed that Lexi was half a shvenny. Yeah, you gotta admit, that <laughs> Which was not was a good move. a little that was, forced. That was as bad as, as Tom saying all that crap he did last year. And then I our know. daughter, well, she was half alien. They're looking for human collaborators. <laughs> and you just told him, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, a little bit too much information sharing. However, these are humans, and somebody that whose life you just saved, you would expect them to have a little bit of a of compassion, but apparently yeah. not. Apparently he didn't enjoy the maggots that much. Maybe that's it. You used maggots on me. I don't care <laughs> if I'm good or not. I still feel like I got maggots inside of me. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I think what surprised me most about the, the flashback at the beginning and then, you know, it's reveal at the end was the fact that Tom wasn't amongst that group. And I can't remember at the beginning if we even saw every single person, because it was just like flashes. You know, you went from the American flag to the wall to them walking to the drum roll, you know, so mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't very cohesive. Right. But you saw that there were a couple people, and I just assumed that it would have been all, all four, the Masons. four of the Masons, and then, you know, obviously Wolf was there too, but... Yeah, and see, here's where I thought when we got the flash forward, because it seemed obvious because of the way that the last episode ended, that it was going to be the Masons that were under the hoods. And I didn't take the time to say, oh, there were four and there were three that were arrested last week. I just thought, hey, it's the Masons. 
Okay, mm-hmm. of course. Then as that turned out to be a flash forward and we're working our way through the episode, I'm thinking, oh, it's not the Masons under those hoods. It's Marshall and the other guy whose name I can't remember because he was a jerk and maybe a few other collaborators. I totally thought. Koenig. Yeah, I don't Koenig. know. Whatever, you can say whatever. I, I'll just smile and nod. That guy. Uh, so I thought it was going to be those two and a few other collaborators that were under those hoods, and they were doing the old swap, switcheroo on us, and that's why we got the flash forward to to kind of make us think it was hmm. the Masons, but it was the other people instead. Okay. And I was wrong. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, I think I've said it before, but I am not a huge fan of those flash forwards. Mm-hmm. And this time I was particularly not impressed because there was a gunshot at the end, like as it, as it faded to black and it said like Hmm. two days earlier, one day earlier or something. Seven Mm. hours. Thank you. Mm. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Uh, I did see words. (laughs) I I don't read good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, but there was a gunshot and I'm uh like, well, now having seen the end of this episode, that's completely misleading yeah. and false. Yeah. I mean, at least everything else about it was true, yeah. but a gunshot is just like purposefully misleading. I just wasn't, and that's like why I hate those is like, they always stick something in there to try to deceive you, mm-hmm. but it ends up being completely irrelevant and stupid by the time you get to the end. <laughs> so anyway, well, when it Kegel. did get to that, isn't that Kegel, what I said? Yeah. Uh, you said something like that. <laughs> I don't listen to you that closely. I, I, oh, no, I said Koenig and Kalig, I think. <laughs> okay, Kegel. <laughs> Sorry. Kegel, whatever. Kegel. Um, something like that. So when it got to the firing squad, they, they try mm-hmm. to escape. They don't escape. Uh, oh, well, Tom did. So good. Tom they, did. And, and, and they're going, okay, you know, they, they march mount. Then they march over the troops with the guns. They... Line up in front of them, ready, aim, and are you going, okay, all right, anytime now, go ahead. Who's going to run and save the day? Fire, I, you know? I mean, I really you, thought that they were going to kill him. Uh, I mean, it was great. It was a great buildup of, of anticipation and drama and yeah. suspense, wasn't it? Well, because the, I, like my, my two guesses were they're either actually going to kill off these characters. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like crazy to think, but yeah. It would be crazy, but it's like sometimes, you know, y- you need that loss in order to propel you forward, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they've lost plenty of people, but... Okay, so then the other one was, you know, they're going to get to ready, aim, and then right before fire, there's going to be a truck that bulls right. in. Right, and that's what I thought right, would happen, right? Yeah. Yes. But I am so glad that they did it this way. What a... Fa- okay, not only was... Okay, so the 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 actors who were underneath the hoods, that was like the one of the best performances I've ever seen. The way they kind of just like yeah, flinched, you were it, like you felt yes. so bad for them. They're just like, do it already. I'm, yeah, and no. Kegel's like going, fire you freaks, you know, yeah. and and they're like flinching, and I'm like, oh, dude, that is yeah. like really good. Like you can, it's hard, it's hard to act a flinch, yeah. you know, and have it look authentic, yeah. but. I thought they did a really good job. And that's just, those are the kinds of things that just like make an episode is like when you can totally deliver on something so nuanced and, you know. And the puppet master Weaver is just, he's just standing there like, 
Nope. That's right. No big deal. I'm the man. That's right. I am. (laughs) Who's the boss? Who's the boss? (laughs) Weaver, you are the boss. (laughs) I am taking control of this compound. You suckers never saw it coming. And then all of all of the gunmen at the same time look up at Weaver. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yes. He did a good job of orchestrating all of that. Uh huh. Yep. And, and you could definitely comes see through with the truck. Right. Go, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say you could you could totally see the the soldiers who were kind of standing on the other side of the gunman mm-hmm. really uh, react positively to Anne's speech like and talk about a great character moment for Anne. Yeah, she she has come such a long way. And I thought that speech was really well crafted for her character. Yeah, thank you. You know, especially if it was going to be like her last words. Mm-hmm. Very good. But yeah, so Tom comes storming in with with help and numbers. And a volm. And a volm. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of good moments in that in that scene. You yeah. know, not just Isabella killing Kaleg, Kate Kegel. Kaleg. <laughs> Keurig? What? Keurig. Coffee, coffee guy. <laughs> what? How did that happen? Uh and if that, all that wasn't good enough, we still had two really good scenes in this episode with yeah. Ben finally, hey, you and I called it. Ben's the guy that should be handling the, the communication device. Yep. It calls to him. Yes. Yeah. What did he see? This is our Twitter question. So should, yeah. we, should we hold off, I guess? Or do you want to go ahead and, and give your opinion? Well, yeah, let, let's just hold off. We can talk about all that with Twitter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because there's a little bit to talk about, but not much. There's, yeah, there's speculation is pretty much all we have. And then, of course, the Pope and Trevor scene. Okay. Give me your opinion (laughs) of this scene, because I'm sure you know what mine is going to be. Well, I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to say. Um, Oh, really? Okay. It's so weird. I mean, we see none none of that surprised me with, with one exception I'll get to. Pope being Pope. He's sitting up on a chair, being a pig, being a lunatic, getting off on other people's pain. I mean, none of that surprised me. That he found a bunch of dirty thugs, lowlifes, willing to follow him doesn't surprise me. None of that surprised me. What, what the one thing that surprised me was that Anthony seems to still be there. You know, I told you I thought I saw a glimmer mm-hmm. in Anthony's eye during that episode, the last time we saw them. And I guess I was just making stuff up or wishing because Anthony seemed to be as far gone as anybody else did. And that is incredibly disappointing if that turns out to be true. I actually had the same thought about Anthony, just going, there's absolutely no hope for him. At least, unless he's playing it really well. (laughs) I, I am just, really disappointed in that storyline. Yeah. I'm disappointed that we saw two characters who have come so far over the course of four and a half seasons be completely derailed for a purpose that seems really far off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, not that I don't believe people can go that far off the rails and not even that I don't think that falling skies should go there, Sure, but it just doesn't make any sense thematically. And by that, I, I just mean like, while we're trying to understand what it means to be human, 
and to fight for the things that we love. These two people are only fighting for themselves at this point. And yes, that does happen. But it's just so uncharacteristic for for Anthony, even as even with someone with PST, PTSD, mm-hmm. it just it's just so uncharacteristic of that character who we've who has been like Pope's better half throughout the last five seasons. I don't know. I, I I can't even put it into words because it's just frustrating and it's such a distraction, so unnecessary. I don't know. I'm just I just really hope that whatever resolution comes in the finale will help me to look back at this and be like, all right, at least I get it yeah. <laughs> because right yeah. now I'm just, I'm just like, uh, and, ma- and maybe that's the point. Maybe they're trying to make me feel, you know, like have emotions. Okay. Well, good job. You did it. I feel rage. <laughs> <laughs> I feel rage just like him. <laughs> and injustice over what has happened to these two characters that we cared about. And Anthony, we've always cared about Pope. We've always, you know, he is what he is. He's acidic. He is, he is, it goes against the grain. But like this earlier this season, we talked about it, how he broke it down into tears as he's talking to Mason about how much these people mean to him. And now this, and it's just like, right. oh my gosh, he just went, it's like Toonsus the driving cat took over his body and drove him off a cliff. Like who? Emily, you got to get my jokes. I threw out the Dumb and Dumber joke earlier. You didn't get that. Now you didn't I've get never my seen Toonsus Dumb and Dumber. driving Cat. I don't driving. I don't even know what that means. Just YouTube it. Toonses the driving cat. <laughs> Toonses. That's not even a word. It is a word. It's the name of a cat that drives. <laughs> Cats don't drive. I'm sorry. Toonses However, does. Cats do make more sense than men, as my coffee cup says. <laughs> well, all right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Will you make a reference that I get sometimes? <laughs> Only if you beg me for it and put it in a bag. I shall not. I shall okay. do neither. <laughs> <laughs> you should do neither what? Could you? Could you? Uh... No. <laughs> I will not beg you to put it into a bag. Isn't that perfect? Why would you beg me to put it in a bag? Beg in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we don't know how these two storylines are going to resolve. We yeah. have Pope, we have Alien Overlords, uh, aka Second Mass, aka Fourteenth Virginia. All that, you know, the the, the Mason Overlords, Fourteenth Virginia, Second Mass. All that's kind of playing happy nice together, except that we wish they were already in Washington strategizing the front, the attack front, right? But you're right. The Pope Anthony storyline is this fringe, yeah. It's it's that, and it's bad. It's like, it's really bad stuff. So hopefully, as you said, they're doing this on purpose to make us go, oh, see what you did there. So hopefully we'll get that. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to even, like, say what I want out of this because, you know, like, you're thinking about the finale as it's inevitable right now. We have two mm-hmm. episodes left. Right. And I'm thinking... You know, in order for this to be satisfying to me, not specifically, but overarching, you know, the Ashveni have to be defeated. I mean, that's like a no-brainer. Right. <laughs> the Ashveni have to be defeated. Humans have to find a way to take some sort of ownership with the land that has been left to them and and figure out who has survived. 
you know, like I, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see them not just win the war, but to come out of it, you know? And, and when, when I think about Pope, I can't, I can't even say, well, I want him to be redeemed because right now I do not want him to be redeemed, <laughs> I know. but, but I want to want him to be redeemed. <laughs> if that makes any sense. It does make sense. It's in a, I mean, unless you care about these characters, it doesn't make any sense. Unless we had right. what we had with Pope at the beginning of the season, that doesn't make any sense, but yeah, it makes perfect sense actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I got. All right. Well, Let's get into some listener feedback. We'll circle back around let's to that uh, what did Ben see question when we get to our Twitter poll question. But let's get into some listener feedback here. Uh, what do you say we start with some audios? Let's do it. All right. Here is Barb. Hi, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's Falling Skies epi, Stalag 14. I'll give this epi 6.5 fight clubs. I originally rated this 7.5, but knocked it down a full point for two things that happened in the last five minutes of the show. First, we found out that there is some kind of new Asfini Grand Overlord or other alien leader, and it's a rather late in the game for that. And then number two, Pope is running a fight club, and we're probably going to spend the penultimate episode dealing with him instead of the aliens. While I expected that confrontation, it appears that Pope is so much further off the rails than when we last saw him that this will engulf us for almost an entire episode, and that will not make me happy. I'll stop anticipating problems that may not happen, but please, please don't let that happen. Okay, a few random thoughts. It would have been more fun to watch Weaver jump the Overlord than to only see the end of the fight. Way to go, Dan. I'm surprised that the 14th Virginia hadn't revolted already if Captain Katie Overlord was responsible for having 39 people executed in the last six weeks. A good soldier follows orders, but roughly half of their group was gone and they didn't think that was a problem. How on earth did Traitor Trevor find Pope? He was walking. Last we saw, Pope was still in Georgia, and even if Pope had moved on up Interstate 95, wouldn't Matt and the second mass have passed him along the way? That's a bit much for a hand wave. I was glad that Hal and Ben mended fences this week. That was one more thing that needed to be resolved before the series end, and I thought it was fairly well done. If you think you're going to die, you make sure that you've said the important things to the people that you love. So time to talk about predictions. I'm finally convinced the Pope needs to die, and the writers need to do it quickly so that we can move on to defeating the Asfini. He's not redeemable, and I'm not happy with the way his story arc is ending this season. After initially coming so far, oh well. I think Anthony will return from the dark side. I'm surprised he's still with Pope who is having his Fight Club members kill each other for his personal pleasure. It seems that not everybody is on board with that, and Anthony was never the type to go along with killing for the sake of killing. Come on back, Anthony. I'm going back and forth on the idea that the Dornia are really super bad rather than super good, but I can't come up with a reasonable explanation as to why they wouldn't have killed Tom in the second mass earlier in the season when they had the chance. Brooke's theory was great last week, but it would be very late in the game for that type of a twist. However, I still don't trust that Dornia thing that has been visiting Tom. Okay, who dies? My money is on Tom and Maggie. I think Anthony will die saving Anne, 
Pope's a goner. Marty's a red shirt. Weaver, Hal, Isabella, and Matt will all live, as well as Cochise, and I hope Digon makes it. Hmm, who am I forgetting? <laughs> well, I guess next no! week will mostly be about Pope with some forward movement, and the final <laughs> episode will be Tom's sacrifice to save the world. Hang on to your seats. Here we go. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and cleaning my gun. Bring on the Asfini. Oh, nice predictions there. Um, gosh, she, she hated the, uh, Pope developments with, uh, with everything that went there. Yeah. Um, there was something that she said that was like perfect with what you had said earlier. What was it? It was fairly early on in her, uh, in her feedback. Do you recall? I remember thinking of it too. Oh, it was about, uh, Weaver and how he killed the alien. She wanted to see that too. Oh, right. Yep. <laughs> she did remind me. Always kill them when you have the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard that yeah. from you in a long time. I know. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it, at this stage in any war, yeah. if you do not kill someone who is as serious of, of a threat as Pope is, you are just asking for it. And, and when, I mean, I, I, I said it in revolution all the time because it was like, if you do not kill them, <laughs> you are going to regret it. And yep. every single time they regretted it, every time you spare a life, which sounds so horrible because I don't believe that at all. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't think it, I don't, I don't believe in the death penalty or anything like that. You know, we don't have the right to choose who lives and who dies. I don't believe that. And yet, like on these TV shows, I'm like, you have to kill them. <laughs> I, I don't understand where that comes from. <laughs> that was quite a face you made there, too. I don't. You've got some inner rage there. I think you need to work out. Oh, that's long gone. I can smile it away now and and push it deep. Really? So I don't have to say anything like downing the ball if in the you even- of the field on third down. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go more of a <laughs> randomly exploding Boarding ships. ships. <laughs> that was next. <laughs> oh, uh, dear. All right, Barb. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barb. <laughs> uh, let's read some here. What do you say? That's a good idea. Should I read Ian's? Yes. All right. Zort70, a.k.a. Ian, says, Hi, Daryl and Emily. I have been loving all the Falling Skies podcasts this year, despite the source material not being as exciting or dynamic as we might want. You mentioned the Lando-style plot in the last podcast, and oddly enough, I had another Star Wars vibe earlier in the season. The only way I want to make sense of the Pope storyline is to make Pope and the Berserkers the Han Solo of the final episode. What I mean is that they had to separate them and make them exiles so that either the whole group or a group taken over and led by Anthony swoops in to save the day when all looks hopeless. Mm -hmm. I am not necessarily disappointed by the episode so far, but really just want things to move forward. I am hoping that the lack of action means there is lots of budget left for the sure-to-be-spectacular effects in the few final episodes. Oh yes, remind me when we next meet to talk about... uh, to give a talk on the Enigma machines and their significance in World War II and indeed modern computing. Remember, we are all family in the end, Ian. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I like that idea of him, of Pope being Han Solo. Well, not Pope being Han Solo. It would have to be Anthony, right? It would have to be Anthony. Yeah, yeah. And I hope that too. I hope that too. Right. Like, and like Barb said, you know, it, it, there's, even though it didn't look like it, 
I personally do think that there is still hope for Anthony. Mm-hmm. You know, m- hopefully he's just playing a deep cover <laughs> <laughs> thing so. on Pope. You know, like that's that's what we can hope for at this point, because you can still at least conceive of that where it just does not seem conceivable for Pope to be that person. Yeah, maybe he feels like he has to kind of play along until he gets his chance to escape back with the second mass or something. But right. I don't know. Yeah. And I got to say, Ian, I, I, I appreciate you mentioning the Enigma machine. When I was listening back as I was editing last week's episode, I realized I made a, a pretty significant error and I was going off the cuff there. But at one point I gave the Americans the credit for cracking the Enigma machine and it, it wasn't that it was it was totally the British guys. It was the allies. Maybe I meant to say allies because that starts with an A as well. I don't know. <laughs> American allies, maybe. But, um Ian didn't call me on it. You know, him being a Brit, he very well could have and, and maybe should have. But uh, anyway, I watched a couple more videos on the Enigma machine after our podcast last week. And oh, okay, I, just I forgot to watch more that and more intrigued by it. it. It was even more amazing than I thought it was. Oh, that's cool. Ian, I would love to chat with you about the Enigma machine. I don't know when you and I are going to get to see each other again. It might be Hawaii 2017, (laughs) but whenever it is, wherever it is, I'm there. Let's grab some coffees or some beers and let's talk Enigma machine. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) I want to come too. Can I come? Yes, you, you may. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we mentioned Brian. Let's, uh, let's get into his feedback here. He said, um, this is something he, we're going to, I guess let's listen to him first and then we'll, we'll get into this little part that he wrote. So okay. here's, here's his audio. It's Brian from the Walking Dead talk through with another apocalyptic review of Falling Sky season five, episode eight, Stalag 14th, Virginia. Overall, I found this a satisfying end to last week's episode for the most part. But I have to still dock marks for the story being out of place with the overall story arc this season and a distraction from the crew's goal. I also see the potential for another distraction next time with Pope, although my I will say that my DVR cut the teaser for next week, so my impression here may be a false one. I really hope Pope doesn't lose sight of defeating the Ishveni over his consuming hatred of Tom. If this episode was in season two or three, I'd give it an 8.5, honestly, but with the story arc, after all, TNT continually reminds us it's Falling Skies, the final battle. I give the episode six and a half poorly copied captains. When I consider the last five episodes, I can't help but get the impression they might have been drafts from season three. Pope Breaks Bad and non-essential personnel could have existed in an alternate Falling Skies universe in Season 3 where Season 3 Episode 5's Search and Recovery, the one where Pope and Tom crashed in the woods, had ended differently. There were certainly similarities between Respite and Season 3 Episode 7's The Picket Line, as both farms were untouched by the apocalypse. There are also similarities in the last two episodes with Lourdes getting the eye worm and the initial reception that the second mask got when they first arrived in Charleston. It's like the writers either didn't have any ideas or on how to end the show or the writing staff 
was cut and forced to use rejected drafts and rejigger them to roughly fit into a season five. Am I wrong here? So I ask if the next episode is some kind of a Pope Mason showdown, what's this final battle going to look like? Is it going to be like the start of Falling Skies where we only see the invasion from the crayon drawings of children? The last 10 minutes of the final episode, maybe? Um, I hate bringing up this stuff. I really want to love it. I really, really do. I just don't. I don't hate it. I did enjoy some aspects of this episode, like Tom's speech and Weaver killing the Overlord and eventually pseudo-Katie. I still like it. I just don't love it like I once did, but I still have hope the last two episodes will restore my faith. Thanks, Emily and Daryl, for your honest examination of each episode each week, as it is difficult to love a show and be honest about it when it falls short. Signing off, this is Brian Malosh from The Walking Dead Talk Through. And then he wrote back and said, uh, one more thing I forgot to say. After watching a bad episode of a show I otherwise love, I often ask myself, could I have written a better episode than this? Answering that question many years ago made me submit an episode to uh, our script to Star Trek The Next Generation when a really bad season one episode came on. You know, that show that Emily hasn't seen, which really, Emily, you got to fix that. That's my, I, my interjected that, but I think Brian would wholeheartedly mm-hmm. <laughs> agree with that. Um, and then he says he did eventually sell a script to Deep Space Nine a few years later uh, because of that experience. So, um, he says, I've been asking myself that question a lot this season of Falling Skies. And like then, my answer is yes. So he feels like he could write a better script than what we've been given so far. Yeah, any thoughts on what he had to say? Uh, you know, it was a lot of reiteration of what we had been talking about, which is mm-hmm. confirming, you know, or affirming, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting because I think he has the same perspective even as we do. Is like, it's hard to be so critical of a show that you love. And and it's, um, we say it from the beginning, we're only critical because we love it so much. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know that maybe the opposite is true in many cases. Like, you're critical because you hate something, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, but he, he made some really good points and I'm, I'm glad that he's sticking with it because it would be really easy if you're not podcasting about it to just give up right. before the end. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know if I would have given up on falling skies because I've been a fan of it for, for four seasons, you know, going into this fifth season, like for example, under the dome, I gave up on it. <laughs> But I was only yeah, like so a too. Se- season. Well, you know that's true. I mean, I came back and watched part of season two though, and I, I did watch all of season one. And I was like, after like three episodes of season two, I'm like, nah, I'm out. And you know, but you're you're invested in this four seasons in, so I probably yeah. still would have stuck with it. But I might have said, you know what, I'll catch it on Netflix. I'll yeah. watch it then, or maybe I'll, I'll watch it when I can see all the episodes right in a row and I don't have yes. to wait. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I would probably end up fast forwarding through a lot of it, maybe even skipping over an episode or two. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a hard one. It's a tough, it's a tough one, but uh, hopefully these last two episodes will be good. And certainly what he said about how are they going to handle the Pope Tom situation? Yes. Is, 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 I thought he had if some they, If ideas. they devote an entire episode, to resolving that i don't even know what i'll do i know when they've wasted 
two or three oh. episodes already this season. It's like get get rid of one of those and resolve it a season or an episode <sighs> earlier. <laughs> but we'll see. Look, we <sighs> can't say that yet because we haven't seen it yet. We may like after the end of this be going. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. They knew what they after all. That's why they get paid for this stuff. Uh, do you remember how hard people were on the final season of Fringe? Yeah, well, some were. Well, yeah, some were. Yeah. yeah, and leading into it, yes, at different yes. points in the season, they were going. I mean, some people had their. This pitch, is so pointless. Yeah, pitches. yeah, yeah. But at the end, we all went, "Oh, well done, thank you, thank you very much." <laughs> well, see, the like as I'm watching this season, yeah. and reflecting back onto my own reaction of season five of Fringe, I was so I was such a fan of that season, and it's still at least one of my top two favorite seasons, you know, it's just mm-hmm. for so, so many reasons, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I just, I was so confused as to why people did not like that season because I saw so much good in it. And, and I am starting to see through this season of falling skies, how people were reacting to that season of fringe, which is kind of like a, you know, world shifting kind of a thing, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't know. So I, I mean, I, I can totally see it now and it's just a bummer <sighs> that people had to have that reaction to fringe. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. <clears throat> All right. Who's next? Judy? Uh, Justina. Let's do uh, Justina and then we'll come back to Judy. Okay. Justina says, hi, Daryl and Emily. That episode was intense. The way it was filmed, the drums beating, I give this episode 9 out of 10 belts used as a murder weapon. This episode had the American flag featured prominently, which makes me think of freedom. Maggie is free from her spikes. Katie is free of alien control. Tom sees more, uh, seems more focused and freed from some of the rage that was plaguing him. Pope seems to be free of his humanity. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I have been asking for him to return, but I am scared of the man he has become, which is a credit to the actor. Very good point. Yep. Colin's done a great sh- job all season. He really yes, has. Absolutely. Uh, in the shadow plane, we heard the sound we have all heard during the title for five years. That was a nice touch. Oh, I, I missed that. Even, I, I don't think I even noticed that. I'll have to go back and watch I'll have to now. go back and watch too, yes. <laughs> there is something higher than an overlord. What a revelation. Maybe the Dornia are bad and are using the humans to fight their battles since they cannot be on this plane of existence. I cannot wait to find out. Quote of the week, sometimes our friends look like enemies and our enemies look like friends. Have a great week, Justina. Yeah, that was a great, great line for sure. That was a great line. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that that scene again to see if we heard that. I can, you know, I can like totally see it now yeah. that she says it. Yeah, that that's a great observation. But I, I OK, I really like all of these <laughs> illustrations of freedom that she points out. Maggie's free of her spikes. <laughs> Katie's free of alien control. <laughs> Pope, Pope is free awesome. of his humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's but I, I was actually noticing the same thing. You know, like I've seen it, I've seen them use the American flag a lot this season. But this one, yeah. it was like flashes everywhere of mm-hmm. the American flag, mm-hmm. which is always so ironic to me, especially for these TV shows that are filmed in Vancouver, and pretty much all of these actors are Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> I just love that. It's I always hilarious. think of the uh, the error that was in an early season, like season two or season three of Fringe, when um, Olivia and Ella go to the amusement park. 
And there's a Canadian flag in the background because they film in Vancouver. Oh, Ella. And, uh, yeah. And it was supposed to be oh, in yeah. New York. <laughs> there's a Canadian flag there. It's supposed to be like Coney Island, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. Uh, we have one more feedback. Thank you, Justina, for that great yes, feedback. Thank you. And this one comes in from Judy, the Polish blonde. Here she is. Greetings, berserkers. This is Chuchy Judy, the Polish blonde in central Massachusetts, putting in my two cents worth again, because in this post-apocalyptic world, copper is the only monetary metal that's worth anything, and only the ding-on and only in season four. <laughs> well, my prediction came true. Ding-on and Cochise did come to the rescue, but I did not expect Tom to be the one to lead them back, driving the truck, and saving the day. Especially after ditching Ian and his sons while he made his escape. I hope to hear that I was not the only one to think that we spent way too much time in Norfolk. I understand budgetary concerns may have driven which storylines to pursue, but this dragged. The last ten minutes of the episode is all we really needed to see. It was nice to meet Lieutenant Shelton, and yes, we did need to see Weaver win the troops over so that we could make sense of what happened on the firing line, but other than that, not really necessary. Speaking of bat-crap crazy, Pope is back, and he's regressed even further. He's back to season one, Pope, and it looks like the next episode is devoted to his obsession with Tom, thanks to Lieutenant Houston stumbling into Pope's fight club after fleeing the 14th Virginia. Anyone else think it's a possibility that he is Ishveni controlled? On another note, and one that is chanted by a bunch of overlords, we're getting introduced to the biggest baddie of the fish heads now? Frankly, this would have been a better storyline if introduced back in the third episode of the season. Maybe finding that big glowing orange cell phone hub on the way back from destroying the skitter farm. Oh yeah, that's when someone Sarah died and started us down this track to Crazy Town. Uh, I think it would have made a better storyline than the one we've got for episodes four through eight. I no longer care about Pope or what happens to him or Anthony. They're just well past the point of redemption, just like Palpatine in the, for the Star Wars universe. I really, really hope I'm not correct in thinking that those storylines were chosen for those budgetary concerns. But from the look of the preview we got, it looks like there was a lot of moolah spent on those special effects for the last two episodes. Yo, Spielberg! Spending a lot on special <laughs> effects does not make up for a lousy storyline. Quite the opposite, <laughs> in fact. <coughs> Classic Doctor Who! <coughs> Overall, I would rate this episode 6.5 number-marked graves. I hope that someone stayed behind to put names on those markers instead of only numbers. So this is Chuchy Judy signing off for now, because I'm going to go hang out on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in the hopes that the Second Mass will eventually get their butts there. See you later. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> that is the uh, funniest thing I've ever heard come out of Worcester. <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing she did mention that we didn't really even talk about, did we? About Katie being a hybrid of some sort? No, we really didn't talk about that. <laughs> because like, so they introduce a completely new type of hybrid that mm-hmm. they don't explain. Mm-hmm. And she was just an experiment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, 
It's interesting because uh, we, I guess we're to believe she got that by being bit on the neck with the bug, but I guess the bug, something had to have gotten inside of her where with Tom, because it looked like the same wound that Tom had, but Tom obviously, right. I mean, I say obviously, didn't seem to have those those things. I mean, she wouldn't have been trying to kill Tom if, if Tom would have been one of them, so yeah. Yeah, and then along the same lines, introducing the big bad this late in the game. Yeah. Okay, well that gets us right into the Twitter poll. Actually, um, we do have one more feedback. Oh, do we? Yep. I'm sorry. Ganon. Oh, I thought we did Ganon's. My bad. I don't think so. No, you're right. I was thinking. I was thinking Ian's was Ganon's, but you're right. We didn't do Ganon. Okay. Um. Okay. So save that thought, Judy, because that's something that I want to bring up and I, I will talk about during our Twitter poll discussion. Gannon says, I'm sure I'll probably be alone judging from recent reactions to the past few episodes, but I loved this episode. You are not alone. All right. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Um, Great character interactions. Love seeing Weaver carry the episode. He's so awesome. But like a lot of people, I'm glad this has been resolved and moving on to the main point, human versus aliens. I know a lot of people are worried about such a little time and so much to cover, but like Tom Mason, I'm not giving up hope. Like many people on recent episodes, I've devoted five years to this show and I'm not about to give up on it now. And if history repeats itself, the season finales and openers are extremely great in wrapping up stories. Even though the season hasn't had an overall villain, it's better late than never. The Queen, it's about to get real. I couldn't be more excited for these final two episodes. I give it nine out of ten Ishfini Queens. Queens. Hmm. The queen of the Ishveni. Dong, the witch is dead. Oh, wait. That's not. That would be lovely. Okay. Well. Well, you're definitely not alone. As we both said, Gannon, we Mm -hmm. enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Um, but. You know, and and like I keep saying, you know, I hope we haven't. We this is the first time we've heard from Gannon in like two weeks, so I really hope that we weren't putting you off by our negativity. So thank you for calling in or writing in and expressing that you are enjoying this because mm-hmm. that that really does mean a lot to me to hear that. So, all right, Twitter poll question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the question was, what quote higher being did Ben see? And Barb Tangier 14 replied, I have a bad feeling he saw the non-extinct Dornia. Brooke E. Smith, the uh, heretic Rick, said some of the Ashvini queen or hive mind weirdness, possibly mother brain. And then she says, actually, I guess it was this guy. I don't know if I want to click on that or not. Spoiler. I don't know. The link is fallingskies.wikia.com slash wiki slash higher B. Then it has a dot, dot, dot. So probably higher being. I don't know. I'm not going to click on that. I don't want to be spoiled just in case. Uh, Ian Knight, Zort70 says, crazy theory. It's Lexi. Ooh. That had not occurred to me. Okay. Uh, Seriously. (laughs) Seriously, I think it's some form of Ishfini. That usually doesn't leave their home planet. Mary J76 says they are bowing down to the Borg. Oops. Ishfini Queen. Do you get that as a Star Trek joke? I don't know if you got oh, that joke no. or not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I was laughing because I figured I should get it. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy laugh, so I don't look. 
<laughs> Good one, Mary. I have no so idea. So funny. <laughs> All these references I don't get. Oh, boy. And then Mike Gorham, which is Jovial Falcon, here in our live show. Uh, he says, either the Ishvini version of Tom or the Ishvini version of Pope. <laughs> what I can't decide which one would be worse. <laughs> the Ishvini version of Tom. Uh, oh, you mean like they like the biological or the just like the representative? I'm not sure what he means. I mean, he's in the chat room. He Analogous. can clarify that. What did you mean? Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Emily? I I had actually thought about not it not not it being Lexi, but I was thinking about the fact that they were trying to kind of turn her into that person or the being mm-hmm. they that they could all come around. But um, yeah, I don't know. Somebody said queen, and that that could seem really accurate, you know, in terms of they're not necessarily the big bad, but they are like the central hub of the proverbial bad. So yeah, they're technically the big bad, but and they're orchestrating everything, but they're not any more bad than all their minions or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. But and and that would kind of connect the hive mind mentality of the Ashveni, the reason that they seem to communicate only telepathically. Yeah, and like uh, and their ability to control skitters within like a five mile radius. So it it would connect a lot of things as to why they are the way they are. But if we're going to be able to understand that this queen is not. How do I say this? It's it's like, you know, like when you can tell the difference. Okay, here's a good example. So we know Katie Marshall was a hybrid. Mm-hmm. She was evil and was intentionally out to kill humans. Right. And the people around her were following suit out of fear. <laughs> right. Except for Kegel, who was just jackwad but (laughs) (laughs) but like when when, when all is said and done we can forgive those people who fell in line out of fear because we know why they were doing what they were doing Mm -hmm. with the ashveni we do not have that luxury if if it turns out that this new queen is a katie marshall type of person who is you know enslaving the ashveni and capitalizing on their fear I don't know how I could deal with with that, like because that would that would force me to see these the Shveni are enslaved just like the Skitters. So so the Queen, it, it has to be like a collective decision. It has to be a collective, not not a democracy, but like you know, I don't know what's the next step. But does does that make any sense? I'm well, not yeah, but articulating this time, very well. I think it also has to to jive with all four seasons what we've known from day one of the alien invasion to the first time the overlords you know came onto our screens to the things that we have seen them do to the second mass and and everyone else um all the way through to what we saw in this episode with the way that they were manipulating marshall everything has to jive and when mm-hmm. when judy and i think uh, she wasn't the only one that said are we really going to get a new creature revealed to us this point in the series? Mm-hmm. That's the first question that I asked. Okay. I said, are we, are they really going to reveal a new character to us? And I have to say, no, 
why would they reveal a brand new character with two episodes to go unless it's something that we could instantly identify with and understand because we've got context that has been given to Mm. us. And that context has to come through what we have been presented from day one with this show, or at least for a large period of time, even if it's not from day one. So I don't think it is a new creature. So what are we left with? We're left with Skitters, a.k.a. Dornia, Ishvini, and Volm. Even if we say Lexi, which I loved that, and I don't know that Zort70 was, you know, I think because he also had another answer. I'm not sure how serious he was about that. We also have to look and see, well, what would, because it seemed to be the first thought that um, Cochise had is probably going to be the, tr- the, 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 the reveal, right? Right. Yeah. We, we kind of, I think we have to assume that when he goes, oh, well. I just it, never imagined. Yeah, whatever he says is going to be yep. it. What it is. I would agree with that. And I don't know that that would be Lexi. I don't know that it would. No, I think I think that's a very good observation. But on that same thought, then, what it could is totally it? be the Dornia. It totally could be the Dornia, which is what I keep coming back to. But then I'm going, but wait, we have seen the skitters used from day one on this show as one of the primary pawns of attack. And if it turns out that these pawns, which we thought were being done by the Ishvini, that made sense. But if it turns out that the Ishvini are being controlled by the Dornia and the Skitters are Dornia at their core, then you're going, holy crap, what kind of messed up thing is this? <laughs> what do I even believe anymore? I know. I know. Yeah. So no, that's that's a really good that's point. That's what I'm saying. That ha- whatever it is, that's has a really to drive really good point from what we've been given from day one, and and, and right so, now you're saying like there's really no answer that we have that can jive. Right, right. But it shouldn't. Right, we shouldn't be able to figure it out. I mean, no. Uh, this is going to be one of those things when we look back, having seen episode yep. ten, we're going to go in episodes when we saw episode eight. We could have put it all together, and somebody out there is smart enough to do this. It's not me. but So I think we probably have all the pieces. We just don't know how they all fit together at this point. Or maybe it is a whole new creature, and they'll be able to give us the context we need with the remaining two episodes. So that's all my thoughts. It's just a little mind vomit I've been kind of running over. I have no answers. These are just random thoughts of, of how I'm trying to make sense of it all. That's why you're a podcaster. You have random thoughts that sometimes <laughs> yeah. connect together. Yeah, and most of the time don't. <laughs> most of the time we just ramble. <laughs> um, yeah. No, very, very, very good observations. That is going to be super interesting because I think that'll end up being our reaction is, does this jive? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? If yes, there will be a lot of exceptions that I'm willing to make and a lot of things that I'm that I'll probably overlook if they have to explain some things away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they introduce, I don't know. I really, I don't even have any speculation to even say on that. It's just like with Pope. I don't, I don't even know what I would want out of this. So mm-hmm. I suppose that's, that's a good way to go into the next episode is just kind of just be open to this, that there is likely a higher being. It looked like they were all bowing down towards something. So, Whatever that is, we have to wait and find out. Yeah. 
Well, next week. I'm excited about next week. I, I really You're excited like, about this episode title? Um, well, give it away. I was, I was going to say, I, I, I liked where this episode ended. I think we've got some good opportunities ahead of us with these final two episodes, and I, I can't wait. So, yeah, what is next week's title? Next week's title is Reunion, which does not sound like the name of a battle. <laughs> it doesn't. You or know even it the precursor like? of a battle. It sounds like Tom and Anne reuniting with Lexi. She is the, the queen. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of doubt it. I'm thinking more like Tom and Pope. Probably so. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> I don't know this song. What is this song? Oh, I got a head. Slide palm. Face palm. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I got a face palm out of Daryl, y'all. <laughs> I mean, I throw out like 15 pop culture references throughout this episode, and you've gotten none of them. <laughs> none. I feel a lot better about myself today. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to stay apart from the world that you inhabit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to inhabit a little bit of the world of falling skies, don't forget about that auction. See that segue? <laughs> that was a pro podcaster segue right there. Emily's going to have the link in the show notes. This is episode 23. So go over to goldenspiralmedia.com and uh, slash falling skies. You'll see episode 23. Emily will have the links for the auction there within those notes. And also don't forget about our meetup happening in just a couple of weeks, September 3rd, 7 p.m. Eastern time at Einstein's uh, near downtown Atlanta, while we're at Dragon Con, so we'd love to see you there. Please RSVP so we can give the folks at Einstein's a headcount. GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash DC15. Okay? Okay. We record a Berserker Cast live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so if you're interested in that, you can join our live show by going to GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash live, and you can log into our chat room where there are other lovely people chatting with us. And, uh, yeah, and to get some feedback in before we record that new episode, we ask that you try to get that in by Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And you can do that feedback stuff by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, where you can upload an audio file, type out an email, or uh, there is also a speak pipe widget on that page that you can use to record a voicemail. So plenty of easy ways to get in touch with us. Oh, you can also call our voicemail line, which is 304-837-2278. I still say TFP cast. Is that still it? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of ways to get in touch with us. And then to also take part in the Twitter poll, make sure that you're following us on Twitter at GSM podcasts. And yeah, we hope to hear from you in these last two episodes of this season series. Absolutely. Series. Series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, thanks for uh, podcasting with me this week, Emily. I'll try to throw out some references next week that you'll get. I'll go study hey, up on my uh, Spice Girls and... I'm a child of the 90s, yo. Yeah, Let's I know. Go. i got to figure out what was popular <laughs> then. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. In sync. Well, 98 degrees. <laughs> in that case, I'll just sign off this podcast by saying... Bye, bye, bye. And always kill them when you have the chance. <laughs>